Well, hey, Crossing Church, great to have you with us this Sunday morning. Uh, by now, you realize we're kind of doing everything from different locations, scripture here and, and worship there and, and preaching here. Uh, in, uh, I'm in Hackettstown, and uh, so it's, it's just the way it is. It's the new normal right now. And um, uh, I, I know that now that initially kind of the shock of the present experience is, well, I was going to say settling in, but that's kind of not a good word. We're enduring the present situation, and we've had a level of acceptance. I wanted to go beyond the triage that we've been doing the last three or four Sundays. Uh, you know, as we've been talking about uh, our fear and dealing with our confusion and God's care and God's provision, and all of that is needed, and all of that has been needed, and it continues to be needed. Um, but I want to kind of go beyond that and talk about some stuff uh, beginning today that I think is going to strengthen us and build us and, uh, you know, kind of uh, strengthen our, our weak knees that may be buckling. And this morning, I want to begin a new series of messages entitled, Who is this man? The man is Jesus. And uh, so many people have been changed by this one solitary life. Many of the people who are listening to me right now, you've been changed and others, you know, really don't know a whole lot about Jesus. So I want you to look at what we're going to be doing over the next, I don't even know, five, six, seven weeks. Look at it as kind of a, a Jesus 101 course, if you will. Now, let me, let me start off by saying when you want to get to know a person, you have to start with a very basic understanding. You need to start with some facts about the person. You don't even need to uh, speak to the person directly, um, you, you could hear of facts about them. Uh, it could be like, you know what, uh, who's that girl sitting over there? You know, you're in class and, and your friend goes, oh, I think her name is Karen. Is she new? Yeah, she's new. She went to community college last year. And, and you know some facts about Karen. And it may take the next step after you know some facts about someone. Maybe you'll go up and you'll talk to them. And he goes, hi, I'm, I'm John. What's your name? He already knows her name, but he's, you know, uh, Karen. Oh, you knew here, Karen? Uh, no, actually, I came from community college. So now you got a conversation going. You, you know some facts about a person. Then you got a conversation going. And maybe, just maybe, that can evolve into a friendship. But it all starts with some facts. And that's what this series is really going to be all about. Now, for some of you, uh, this is a total introduction. You really don't know a whole lot about Jesus. You know that he was the guy on the crucifix in the church that you went to last summer at your cousin's wedding. That's about all you know. Now, for others of us, we know a lot more than that, but there's still a lot of blanks, a lot of blanks that need to be filled in. So my prayer for this series, Who Is This Man?, is that we come to know the person, this amazing historical person who is much more than that, who has this long shadow that reaches back to the beginning of time and ahead to eternity. Even as modern technology and communication increases, and I think most of you will agree with this, uh, and our access to people increases, our intimate relationships, even in spite of our present dis distress, becomes scarcer. Uh, the same modern technology that per permits us to, we could talk with people across the globe. I talked to a friend of mine in Ireland on a regular basis, and it's like calling, you know, he could be next door as clear as his voice is. You know, that, that's such a great thing. But what has happened is that it has tended to make face-to-face -face relationships uh, kind of a little scarcer. It's, it doesn't happen as much. 
And yet we as human beings have this inborn desire for intimate relationships with other human beings like us. And if it's not being met, if that inborn desire is not being met, uh, I, I think we, we really suffer from that. And the result that's happening right now, in spite of everything that maybe, you know, you may be talking to college roommates that you haven't talked to before. But look, uh, what's, what's basically happening is that we have an increasing number of people in our culture, and all the facts bear this out, who are and could be characterized as lonely. There's just a lot of lonely people. And loneliness is not something that's like, oh, you know, that's, that's tough, you know. No, loneliness is, is, is very deadly. It's very, very serious business. A University of Chicago study recently said that long-term loneliness can be a real health risk. Uh, it, 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 it factors into hypertension uh, for people, mostly 50 and older, where a lot of loneliness happens, even when they've factored in in their study depression and stress. Loneliness, the study said, hampers the immune system. Can you imagine? I never knew that. I never even thought about that. That someone who is chronically lonely, their immune system is literally suppressed. So it has a unique uh, health uh, risk factor involved in it. Loneliness alone. They said that chronic loneliness belongs among other factors like uh, smoking and obesity and lack of exercise. And that feeling a sense of social connection is vital to not only our mental, but our physical well-being. Other research has linked loneliness to low levels of cognitive function, and, and, and as well as rapid decline in cognitive function. That's why you can go online now, and you can do all these word games and stuff like that to try to stay sharp. People who identified themselves as lonely are twice as likely, they're finding out, to be at risk of developing Alzheimer's than those who describe themselves in this one study, as not very lonely at all. They found that a sense of isolation disrupts willpower. It disrupts perseverance and, and key cellular processes deep within the human body. Did you ever think about that? I mean, I never thought about that, that loneliness has such far-reaching consequences, both mental and physical. You know, you read stories about, you know, torture, when, when people are just left in solitary confinement. A lot of times... They don't last very long at all. You know, we as a culture have hundreds of friends on Facebook or similar uh, platforms, but a lot of us don't have much companionship. And it may, you know, ease a sense of isolation, you know, going online and speaking to people, but it only goes so far. Because notably, in this one study I mentioned, they said that actual physical isolation was less important than perceived isolation. Translation, you could be living in a house with 12 other people and feel lonely and have the same physical and mental deficiencies as people who you think that live all alone. We need friends. Not the Facebook, not the Instagram type of friends, but face to face intimate friends. And when I said we when I say we need friends, it's not a need like I need balance of nature's fruits and vegetables to make me feel healthy. It's not that kind of need. Okay. We really do need friends. And you know why? Because God constructed us that way. It's it's part of our DNA. It's that aspect 
that is like our maker. There is something in the Trinitarian nature of God that serves kind of as the basis and explains the yearning that we have for friendship. The Trinity, I think, explains why I need friends and you need friends. Because before, before we were created, okay, before there was time, there was friendship. In, in the Trinitarian nature of God himself, there was, there was communication, and there was knowing, and there was loving, and there was sharing, and there was delighting between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Friendship was not created. Friendship always was. When Adam was created, remember, remember the creation of the first couple of uh, chapters of Genesis? And, um, uh, you know, sky, good, land, good. Creatures in the sea, good. Creeping on the land, good. Everything was good. The one thing that was not good was that when God looked at Adam and he saw that he was alone, do you know the first thing that was not good on the earth was the fact that Adam was lonely. There was no one who was compatible for him. So, you know, why was he lonely? Do you know why he was lonely? Because he was like God. He needed someone just like him who he could talk with and share and love. Dr. Tim Keller wrote that, he wrote this. He said, all of our sin problems, whether it's anger or fear or worry, all come from our imperfections, but not loneliness. Loneliness is the one problem we have that arises from our perfections. If you're lonely, it's because your basic built-in yearning for close friendship is something that you share with God and it's not being met. If you're, if you're lonely, it's because there's something inside of you that's not being met. You're lonely because you're not a machine. You're lonely because you're like your creator. Now, the problem with human friendship after the fall of man was simply this. We're so thoroughly imperfect that, that no human friendship can ever really give us what we're looking for as far as friendship needs are concerned. We need a friend who's never going to say, have you ever felt this about, uh, uh, you're waiting for your friend to tell you this. Hey, listen, enough is enough. You are really high maintenance and, and, you know, I'm not going any further with this. I'm done with you. We need someone who will always be there. Someone who will never change their opinion, their basic opinion of us when he or she finds out what we're really like. We need someone who could say, like in verse 9, as, in the same manner, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. What is a friend? Well, Jesus, in this passage, tells us. He says, a friend is someone who always lets you in and never turns you out. And listen, both those elements have to be present for there to be real friendship. If you let someone into your life and you share with them your inner thoughts and your feelings and your struggles and they listen and are sympathetic, that's really nice. But if they leave, they're really not a friend. You know what they are? We call those therapists. They're $175 for 50 minutes. And do we need therapists? Yes, we need therapists. But that's not a friend. If you have someone who 
walks with you. Maybe they walk with you through, through difficult periods of your life, maybe even long stretches of your life, and they may even help you in your travel in life, but they never give you the cue that they're actually going to go any deeper with you. That's not a friend. You know what that is? That's a social worker. Do we need social workers? Yes, we need social workers, but it's not a friend. You need a friend, and I need a friend, and I need one now. We need a friend like Jesus. Now, I, I just gave you a definition of what a, a friend is. A friend is someone who always lets you in and never turns you out. But let's look at, look at you for just a couple of minutes, that first aspect. A friend is someone who always lets you in. In verse 15, it says this. Jesus said to his disciples, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You know, you meet someone, you have common interests, you may even like someone, you know, right off the bat. That happens a lot of times. But sooner or later, if you're going to get past the mere acquaintance uh, stage of a relationship, you're going to have to let that person in. Now, there are some people who... You know, they're the type of people that, uh, well, I'll give you an example. They, they tell you their whole life. I was in ShopRite the other day, and I'm all, you know, masked, and we're all like, and we, 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 we went because we didn't have any food. And Marianne and I are there, and this guy comes, he, he comes down the other side of the aisle, and he's all masked up and everything, and he starts talking to me. And, and he's just, you know, he's just, he's just right here, and I'm like, dude, you know, uh, social distancing thing, and he just starts talking to me about his life. And I got to tell you something. Most days I would have sat there for a half hour with him and talked about him because I, this has been my experience. And most people that do that, even though, you know, they don't get, they're pushing their way into your life and you may not be ready. But a lot of times they're very lonely people. There are so many lonely people. But listen, sooner or later, friends, you, you, you got to share your life with, with your friends. Not necessarily at ShopRite with the first person that comes in the other direction, you know, in the, in the uh, frozen food aisle. But you got to go beyond the service stage and you got to trust that person with all your joys and all your junk. And that can be very scary. Yes. Say yes. If you're sitting home, if that's true, I can, I can hear you from here. You know, it's for instance, you're getting closer to a person. You started, you know, at home, you start referring to this person as my friend, Jane. And, you know, your family hears that and, and you're, 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 you're going to let some things out to maybe Jane Pretty soon now, you know that, that deep down, you have this fear that if you let it out, you know, you may torpedo the whole, whole deal. Not, not, you know, uh, Jane, there are four bodies buried in my backyard beyond the oak tree. My father used to be in this business. I don't, I don't mean, you know, that kind of thing. But something more along the lines of, hey, Jane, you know what? I may seem confident. I may seem on top of things. But there are many nights that I cry myself to sleep because I feel so inadequate as a mother. And I want you to know that. See, stuff like that goes below the surface. A friend is someone who takes you into his or her confidence and talks things over with you. It's, it's someone who, who, who uh, you let in. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 25, 14, the Lord confides, the Hebrew word uh, is uh, sode, the Lord confides in those who fear him. Friends 
share secrets. They have secrets and they share secrets and they confide in one another. And Jesus was saying to his disciples just before his death, guys, listen, our, our relationship has evolved. From the time I called you, you're in the Sea of Galilee, and you say, hey, put your nets down. Come, I'm going to make you fishers of men. We have come a long, long way. And I don't look at you as, as servants. I look at you as my friends. You are all my friends. And he's saying to them and to all who have decided to trust him and walk with him, I desire to be your friend. I desire for you to let me in because I am waiting for you to see that I have already taken many steps to let you in. See, that's what Jesus is saying. You know what's happening when you read your Bible and you're not just intellectually being engaged anymore, that you're really communicating with God, that, you know, you read something and you could, you can almost, you can almost hear his voice speaking to you. It's when you pray. Have you ever sat down and you read the Bible or you're praying and uh, it starts to pop at you and you're praying and you can really hear God's, uh, uh, you can hear God's voice almost. You can, you, you just, it's like, it's personal. It's for me. He whispers to you. You sense that someone is there. That's a friendship. That's a great indicator that you and God have become, or at least are starting to become, friends. And Jesus, Jesus has promised to reveal his heart, the secrets of God to you as you cultivate this friendship. And he has promised to go on a journey with you if you will go with him. You know, you may be uh, driving one day, let's say, in, uh, in Nebraska, and you're by Fremont, Nebraska, and uh, you, you're going to see somebody who lives just outside of Fremont, Nebraska, and your GPS is going crazy, and it's not giving you, and you're, you're going, in, all of a sudden you realize you're going in circles. Well, there's a couple of ways that you can find out, you know, how to get to where you need to get. You may stop, and there's a guy along the street, and you go, hey, here's the address. How do I get to this address? And the guy may go to you. He say, well, you go a quarter mile down this road, and there's going to be a gas station. At the gas station, make a left. You go down three blocks. That's one way that you could find out how to get where you're going. A better way would be if the guy starts to tell you, well, you know what? You go, you know what? I, I'm going down that way. Just get in your car. Follow me. I'm going to go down. I'm going to go right near to where you're supposed to go, and then I'm going to make a right. You just make that left. I'll do this. And you, it'll be right there. If someone will take you, that's easier. That's even better. Jesus says, I want to let you in, and I want you to let me in, and I want to travel this road together. It's not that tomorrow you're going to find out who you're going to marry, where you're going to go to school, uh, how to grow your business, how to deal with the latest difficulty in your family. But I want to, I want to sit with you as, as your friend, and I want to travel there together. But you've got to let me in. And if you do, I'll tell you some great secrets. That's what he's saying. You know what friends do? A friend is someone who always lets you in. But there's more. A friend is someone who not only lets you in, but who never turns you out. They never, he or she never turns you out. They will walk with you over the long haul through this life. If I ask you who a friend is and, and you kind of are not like that, 
with with an answer. Uh, let, let me. Let, let, let me help you with that, okay? Uh, you're driving one night, late night, hottest night of the year, middle of August, and you're visiting a friend in Oswego, New York. I'm just picking these names out of a hat. You know, I, I know they're a real literal towns. But and so you say, you know, you leave Oswego, you know, sometimes it, it's, it's kind of long in the evening, and all of a sudden your car loses power, and you just, you know, bah, 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 you know, many of us have had that horrible feeling, and you kind of just, in this winding middle of nowhere road and your car loses power and you're kind of on this deserted road and you kind of just, you know, go to the side of the road and you go, great, perfect. You pull out your phone and then you realize to your horror, you look up in the right-hand corner, you got 4% left. You meant to plug it in. You didn't plug it in. You got 4%. And, and, you know, now all of a sudden you hear this clap of thunder and it starts to rain. Picture this amazingly terrible scenario. And your family is in California, and you can't call them. And last week, you got this pamphlet from AAA, and you said, hey, who needs AAA? And you threw it in the garbage. And your phone is old, so you know that 4% is going to be 90 seconds. you got 90 seconds to call somebody. Folks, at 12.15 in the morning, who are you calling? Who are you calling? You know who you're going to call? You're going to call a friend. Because you know that that person is going to, you know, wipe the sleep out of their eyes. They're going to grab their jumper cables. They're going to get into their car. They're going to find the nearest 24-hour Dunkin' Donuts. They're going to get a big, the biggest Dunkin' Donut coffee that they have. And they're going to make themselves uncomfortable. And they're going to sacrifice for you. And they're going to lose a night's sleep. Why? Because that's what friends do. That's what they do. Because a friend is someone who lets you in and never turns you out. Jesus looked at his disciples and he let them know in the most graphic terms that he was willing to do anything. He was willing to do anything to be their friend. Even, even die. He said in verse 13, look at it. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. He said, I will never turn you out, and here's how I'll prove it. Jesus is talking to his disciples now. This whole scenario that we're looking at, he's talking to his disciples just before he was to be executed. And they don't get it. They really don't understand. They, are, they just came from Palm Sunday. And everybody's singing Hosanna, and, you know, for he's a jolly good fellow. They're throwing the palm branches down. They're throwing, you know, he, here's the king. And everybody who's with the king got treated royally, too. They all got free dinners that night. And so they, they don't get it. They don't know what's even happening. They don't know that there's this conspiracy that's brewing at that very moment. They don't, they don't know that he's going to be arrested just hours from the time this passage took place. They had to wait to, to, to hear all that and to figure that all out and see what was happening. But at this point, at this point, he still makes the promise to them. He says, I'm your friend. And right now, you have, you have no clue the lengths that I'm about to go through to prove that to you. Crossing church. A friend is someone who puts himself out and makes sacrifices. They do whatever it takes. A friend is someone who always lets you in and never turns you out. Jesus Christ said a servant doesn't know about the business 
of the one he serves. Look, at a, 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 a servant is a professional. They provide a service. Once the service is delivered, he leaves. But a friend, see, a friend is in your life all the time. And you're in their life too. It's how we should deal with social problems, right? Could you imagine if we dealt with social problems like that? We got involved in other people's lives, not just hand them services, even though services are important. But that is, listen, it's getting in these others' lives. Can I just tell you? It's extremely time-consuming. It messes with your schedule. Sometimes it gets very messy. It takes a much higher level of commitment and community involvement. But if we ever did get involved at that level, wow, what could happen? What could happen? Now, Jesus, near the end of the passage, adds something that at first glance you read this and uh, you go, uh, what? You know, Jesus used to do a lot, lot, throw a lot of stuff in like that. Um, he, sa- he says it. Look at verse 12. In verse 12, he says this. He says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now, a lot of times I have heard, I've heard, uh, you know, many sermons where this is taught in the context of obedience. You know, we need to obey. It's an obedience message. You know, we really need, you know, if, if you do what I command, you know, he'll be our friend. Folks, I have to tell you something, um, uh, something you need to remember. This is not an obedience passage. Jesus is not like, you know, uh, your boss at work. You know, you'll have a long, productive, professional life here at the Acme Food Company if you do everything that I tell you to do and you do it right away, okay? That, that's, that's okay. That's an employer-employee and relationship, but that's not a friend relationship. That's not what we've been talking about in this message. It's nice, but it goes against what we had said about a friend, that a friend is someone who always lets you in and never turns you out because it really sounds for all the world to me is as, is as, as if Jesus is attaching this major string to friendship with him. But let me tell you something. Again, this is not an obedience passage. Look at the context. Jesus is not te- teaching obedience as the main focus here. In some other passages, that was the focus. It's not here. You know what he's teaching about? We've been saying it. He's teaching about friendship. Now look, don't, don't misunderstand me. Our Lord does want us to obey his commands. But he's not talking about obedience. That's not the thrust of this passage. He's not making obedience a test of friendship here. The clear subject of this passage that was read for us is friendship. Look at the context. He has one command in mind in this passage that we love one another as he loves us but it was not a precondition for his friendship. And in case anyone misunderstood him, he repeated it again in verse 17. There will be a result of your friendship with me, he is saying, if you are truly my friend, you'll give away the thing to other believers, what I have so freely given to you. You indicate that you are my friend when you do that. I grew up... uh, not too far from Oyster Bay, Long Island. Uh, and in Oyster Bay, Long Island, is, uh, it, it's a field trip that every fourth grader on all of Long Island goes to, Sagamore Hill, which was the uh, former residence of uh, President Theodore Roosevelt and his family. 23 rooms, 
83 acres, gorgeous, Long Island Sound. Uh, I can't even imagine growing up there. Now, suppose we are going through the tour and they have the, you know, the daily tours and you're with me and we go into the Roosevelt bedroom, which is so cool. I, and I remember as a kid, I remember the artifacts that were there. And I think there was this little ivory statuette of an elephant that he probably got at one of his African excursions, Theodore Roosevelt. And let's say, you know, you're with me and we're looking at it and the guide is taking a breath. He's taking a drink of water while he ex is explaining everything. And you're admiring the craftsmanship and the intricacies of that wonderful piece of art. And you say to me, you don't even know the guy can hear you, but you say to me, man, would I love that. That is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. I would take that and I would spend some real money and put that under, under glass. What if the guide stepped over the, you know, that felt rope, retrieved the statuette, and brought it over to you and said, uh, hey, I want to give you this gift. It's yours. I am great friends with the director of the National Park Service, and I think he'd want you to have this. Now, there's other employees. You're kind of doing this. And they're standing there, people who work at Sagamore Hill, and they're going, no, like, like, it's, like it's not that big a deal. They just kind of shrug their shoulders and smile. Now, eliminating the possibility that the guide has gone crazy. Maybe he was out giving tours in 95 degree temperature in mid-August, you know, and now you see how the heat stroke or something. Now, if you say that's not probably what happened there, then the other possibility is that he really is dear, dear friends with the director of the National Park Service and is able to do that. See, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is saying, I'll tell you how to show, your, show you you're my friend. Give away the best treasure that I have, my love for you. Give it away. The Bible says, beloved, let us love one another. If you are his friend, you'll give away his treasure. And you are invited to give it away because Jesus Christ is your friend and Jesus Christ has authority and he's the king, but he's also your friend. And as you give his treasure away and lovingly direct people to the best friend, listen, the best friend that they will ever, ever have in their entire life, you help eliminate the loneliness that characterizes so much of our present day culture. You know, some people are moral. They follow all the rules. They're just, you know, they're predisposed to following rules. But, but they're not his friend. They follow the Ten Commandments, but they're not his friend. They study Scripture. Nothing ever pops to them. That may indicate something. That may indicate that they know of him. They know facts about him, but they really don't know him. But listen, if you're in that group, he wants to be your friend. He wants to take it another step. He wants you to move from merely being moral and busy. You want to be my servant uh, uh, and run around and do religious stuff and be busy without knowing me personally? You know, you could do that. But if you want to be my friend and know me personally, you got to be amazed at what I did for you. I went to the cross for you. You know, some Christians don't open up because they're afraid that if someone sees them as they really are, there'll be one of two reactions. People will either yawn or they'll flee. Jesus Christ 
did not say, I have been watching you. You know, I've been watching your life. And uh, you know what? You, you look like your friend worthy. I think, you know, I think that you could be my friend. He didn't say that. You know what he says in verse 16? You did not choose me. I chose you. Deuteronomy 7, he loved Israel not because they were great, but simply because he loved them. Jesus said, I lay down my life for you because I love you. Jesus' disciples could not even pray with him in his, his final hours. They all fell asleep, but he remained their friend. And the reason he is a friend is not because we are his great friends, but because he is a great friend to us. He really does love us. Folks, the stars may fall from heaven, but he still loves you. I may be a faltering, failing friend, but his friendship remains firm. He says, I'll never leave you alone. I know what you're made of. I made you that way. A friend is someone who always lets you in and never turns you out. Jesus Christ laid down his life to save you. He desires to let you in. And if you let him in, he will never turn you out. Try finding someone like that on earth. And Father, I pray for uh, those who are listening this morning who they need a friend and they know just a little bit about Jesus. Maybe just a smattering of facts. God, I know. I know that Jesus Christ came to die on the cross of Calvary so that he could make us his friends. And I pray that for many today, they would take that first step in friendship, Lord God, by coming to the one who is the way and the truth and the life. God, as we unpack what that means, what that verse means over the next few weeks, I pray that uh, many who hear the messages would become his friend. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 